Howdy and welcome to this week's episode of Beers with Engineers, a podcast by Engineering Dads where if it looks stupid but it works, then it's not stupid. This episode, Sean has a boner pick with statistics and wants to create a holographic AI that can rival Jarvis from Iron Man with an Irish twist. The non-engineer Paddy has a quarrel with the Engineering Dads philosophy, everyone's an engineer. And James has a groovy new pitch on how to accurately know when and where the best surf is. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok on our link above to see our other projects. Let's crack on. Excellent, and welcome back to another episode of Beers with Engineers. Let's crack them open, fellas. Yes, sir. <sighs> oh, I almost spilt my Kahlua hot chocolate. Oh, sounds pretty good. Oh, have a listen to this. Sounds like you're paying. Yeah, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> you got to add the... <sighs> I'm not going to do the drink in the slurp and then ah at the coast of the microphone. I know my... A microphone. Well, the I mean, in this situation, the I means two things: the satisfaction of a drink and the satisfaction of relieving yourself at the urinal. Yeah, it does sound. Like, if anyone needs to go to the toilet, this is uh, not the right time. We've just started. <laughs> no, if you're busting to go anywhere in like a blood bank right now, do not pee yourself. Perfect time to Anyways. listen to a podcast in a blood bank. <laughs> All right, enough of enough of this urinal chat. I feel like we should kick it off. Sean, what do you have for us? Yeah. Okay. So this one's a pretty quick piece because. Um, I just wanted to bring attention to something I've been seeing in the news a lot, and it's the idea of statistics and how to use them correctly. And as engineers, we have to like have a very good understanding of how numbers work and how to use them properly. And what I'm seeing a lot of in today's society is people using numbers to back up their arguments, but they're using the numbers incorrectly, they're not getting the right source and the right material. And there's a really good example of this. Hold on, I'm going to share my screen um, about... This is something that we all kind of learned um, in uh, high school, or sorry, university, but it is really, really interesting. So um, there's a picture now that I'm showing to the two other boys here, and it's a picture of a plane, and it looks like a World War II kind of bomber, and that's what realistically it is. It's a, a prop plane with two engines, uh, a kind of a, a weird shape of a nose, a gun turret on the back, and across it is like red spots. Now, Patty, where are the red spots located? Um, on the wings, like on the far, very far wings in the middle of the cockpit and at the back. Yeah, okay. So what this image is representing is a plane with damage. The red dots is where a bullet hole has gone through the plane. And what the Navy in the World War II suspected was we could probably analyze the, the data of the planes that come back and figure out exactly how to reinforce those planes so they're even stronger, right? So... Looking at this map, you would see all these red dots across the wingtips, across the tail of the plane, across like the middle area of the plane, and see this is where a lot of the damage is going. So this is the places to reinforce. And this is a big data set, had several thousand fl- planes going in and out of war zones and, and fighter pilots and whatnot. And a lot of damage was dealt to these planes. So the Navy started developing and armoring up these specific locations because when the planes came back, they realized there was damage there. It needed more protection. The problem with this is the sample, right? Immediately, some people would have picked it up. This is an image of the planes that returned, not of all the planes. So the planes that got shot in the other areas crashed and burned and died. And so this is just trying to show off an example of how to use data correctly because immediately looking at the sample, you say, look, 
there's damage on the wings, there's damage on the tail, and the planes came back. We need to armor up these spots specifically. However, the po- the places that were not armored up and were shot brought the plane down and took out that plane completely. So even though the statistics of this example show that, yeah, we should probably armor up the places they get hit, realistically, logically, you should armor up the places that the bullet's holes are not. And so this is just a weird example, but it's something that we learned very, very quickly in the, in the world of stats that you need to look at the full sample size. And a lot of the things I'm seeing, and this relates back to COVID, I know we don't like talking about it, but a lot of people are using the wrong data sets and then using it to back up their arguments when realistically you're looking at the wrong sample set. You need to look at the full picture. But this is just a fun kind of example of how stats have been used incorrectly in the past and have cost people lives. And I'm seeing it now again today, which is a little bit uh, disconcerting, let's say. But um, yeah, the, the point being is make sure you do the full research in terms of stats and really understand why the data is that way before you draw conclusions. Too many times in my, I've seen people who just grab numbers and say, yep, agrees with my argument, run with it. When if you just mm-hmm. break it down a little bit further, it is completely opposite. And yeah, it's, it's fucking dangerous. There's too many times mm-hmm. I've seen like people who do not understand stats using numbers to back up their arguments when you realistically just need to look a little bit deeper why you got those numbers. But yeah. Anyway, so on the, on the topic of war, firstly, we'll leave this link in the description of um, Sean's plane. That's a good um, mm. description. Well done. Uh, secondly, on the topic of war again. So this is kind of like saying if you have like an army of 20 and they went to battle and all of them that returned, returned with like bullets in their chest, right? That's like saying everyone who goes to war gets shot in the chest without actually knowing there's people who died probably had like an explosion that happened to them or they were assassinated in battle or something like that in a Mm. nutshell i mean that's yeah that's one example it's just like i mean we can talk about more real real life more modern examples of that um i I can't think of any at the top of my head in terms of covid but i know there's a lot that i've i've kind of have to debunk just because the sample set is so wrong um there's a big one about iver ivermectin the one it was a oh yeah yeah is, it was yeah. a study looking at ivermectin and the and it turns out the uh, like a British student reviewed the data and went you've just copied and pasted the data and deleted a whole column like I can see every single data point here was the exact same except for the final result where you've changed the entire data set's wrong this report is incorrect and it had to be completely redacted and there was like a fine handed at the university that published it it was really i think it was like in egypt or something um but it was really dangerous right. because it got into sky news it got onto australian media sites and got shared around and even though that report's now debunked people believed it they took that data set and rolled with it and they just they it's like the hill they die on and it's so weird i don't know why if you so how did, how, how did they find out that it was like a deleted data set well, a guy just looked at the data. He's like, you've got to publish the data with a report. They finally fa- published the data. And they went, you've, this data doesn't make any sense. It doesn't actually even line up with the report. So you've extracted it wrong for one. And two, the data is a copy. You've, you've made it right. up. And they just went, oh, whoops. <laughs> whoops. So they've, they've, they've said the table's orange, but they've showed a photo of, an or- of a green table. Yeah, I'm not too sure the, the actual, like what the color of the table was, but it was like the data was copy and paste for a lot of it. Right. And they've just changed like a few data cells like manually. And it's very clear that this wasn't a real test, but they rolled the importance with it. of peer review. Yeah. 
Yeah, but before it got to pre-review, someone published it all across Australian media and it was awful. Anyways, that's just a, an example of stats. I'll put the link in that in this podcast because it is really interesting um, about how to actually analyze data properly. It's it's very interesting world life example in World War Two. Anyways, I'll throw over to uh, Patty. Awesome, awesome. Well, I want, if uh, I won't throw it anyone, I'll just do my thing right now because. The whole philosophy of engineering dads or bees with engineers, depending on where you you look at us on YouTube, TikTok, whatever, is that we believe that, I think you say it best, Sean, that anyone's an engineer, everyone's an engineer. Or something like in that same bank, right? Yeah, it's like being an engineer on LinkedIn, right? You need a degree, you need to go to university. But being able to solve problems, which is the main force of engineering, that can be anyone, right? That problem-solving like etiquette, the, the, that approach... Yeah, anyone can apply that. And by definition, you can be an engineer at home. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think that's a lovely statement. So anyone could be one. However, I have a list of people I don't think are engineers. <laughs> Maybe, actually, no, I'll, I'll take that back. Um, I have a list of six like t- uh, occupations where I don't, it's, like, it, it's a very iffy if they could be classified in any t- any sort of way, if they're an, an engineer. Okay, hold on. I just want to clarify. I these. Um, All right. The f- sorry. I'll start. Up. Wait, 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 wait. Sean had something to say. I, about- I just want to say that uh, like a lot of people can be engineers. A lot of people are not engineers. I just want to make that clear. Not yeah. everyone's an engineer <laughs> straight out of the bat. Um, they can be. They've got potential. But yeah, sorry. Patty, let's get into them. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I want to start with a bit of a controversial one. A politician. Oh, big no. Yeah, absolutely not. I've never seen a politician solve a problem on their own. Yeah, you look at exactly. the, the the number of like degrees behind politicians. The majority law or business students, and that's fine. I mean, that's that's what it is. No, not not, not even. I feel like some politicians have like an arts degree or something like that, and nothing against an arts degree. I have one, mm. but a lot of the yeah. time, it doesn't really do a lot. But like business, law, and arts degrees makes up well over ninety five percent of the the educational experience behind. Politicians. I'm speaking of Australian uh, stats there, but the fact is, in engineers, if you look at CEOs, 95% of those people who are CEOs of companies are either business, engineering, or business and engineering students. There's a very big disconnect between the jobs that go to CEOs and the jobs that go, like the experience that goes to CEO, and then a job like the experience that goes to a politician. Engineers are problem solvers. They're like, here's A, here's B. Let's get there as quick as we can. Politicians goes, let's just have a look at a few things. Let's consider a few things. It's all talk. A good politician listens to the problem solvers and goes, this is who I've got my information from. This is why we need to do X to get to point Y. Mm. Mm, yeah, so the politicians, they rely on the problem solvers to basically solve A, B, and C, whilst I, the politician, um, delegate of who is the best and who is the most responsible to... Like, who's the most qualified to deal with this problem? Exactly yeah. right. And we're not seeing that in Australian politics recently. Like, I think I'm referring to a specific example where I saw Brad Hazard doing an announcement like they do at 11 a.m. And he goes, oh, guys, I ran a quick calculation last night and I found that we actually need 70% of vaccinations by this date. And I'm like, you, the health minister, ran a quick calculation. Do you know what that statement implies? You ran, just a quick calculation. I got my Excel spreadsheet out. I hit, you know, X plus Y equals that. And I found that B is the way to go. Yeah, Fuck off. I would. I, I just, I just imagine him getting his year seven calculator out and just writing boobs a couple of times before doing some math. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's fine. I've, I've still got my year seven calculator here. I love it. it yeah. It's the best oh, it's calculator the in the world. But hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. 
Next right, one. Next one. Okay, this one I actually I wrote it down and then I immediately regretted it, but I'm still going to go with it. Barista. Mm. I disagree. Yeah, Much that's why I disagree. I disagree as well because I, as soon as like eyes, oh, it's mainly customers, but when you think about a barista, they're like they're operating a, a, a machinery. They're mm. operating a machine where they actually need to like churn out like the goods every single yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They have to know specifically how much grind goes into the bucket, exactly how long the water needs to run for, how it's pressed through and filtered through, how the, what degrees the milk's going to be heated up to. Coffee is an art. It is. It is it very is. solving. Good coffee is an art. Bad coffee, bad coffee is standard. Yep. <laughs> Not so much in Australia anymore. Mostly in America. No offense to the American listeners, but uh, the, no, the coffee's I, different. <laughs> speaking of coffee, like if you ever want, if you're if you are a barista out there and you know that you make good coffee, here's an easy way to make money. Literally, buy a plane ticket, go to any country in Europe, start like a coffee shop, like and you'll be there'll be a line at your door because Europeans do not. No Australian coffee. What? No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely disagree. Bro, no European coffee is good. Where do you think Australian coffee came from? The Italians in Italy nah, in Melbourne. Nah. If you Italians go, if you go to Colombia, Melbourne, if you go to England, there's no good coffee there. So okay, like, again, England's not part ah. of Europe anymore. Though. Okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me got him, got him. <laughs> I there's an argument to back this up. There's something. So this is remember the podcast we had with the beer. We're talking about the water quality. There's specific water quality for coffee as well, and there's. Um, so I know some places in UK use like recycled water, so there could be something said about the water quality, which also has a very big impact on coffee. Yeah, I mean, like the the cappuccino mm-hmm. and lattes—that's Italian. We took the Italians' recipe. I mean, we've done it pretty good. Don't know if it's better, but um, our heritage is definitely to the European coffee. And I'm I'm thinking about mainland mm-hmm. Europe, not England. <laughs> Okay, too, fair enough. Too shade. Too the shade. Irish make you know, a good coffee, is, though. This is this is also coming from someone that doesn't really drink coffee. Uh, my favorite, uh, my standard order, the mocha. Yeah, the, hot, the <laughs> chocolate milkshake. <laughs> Do you know what the funny thing milk, is, though? Hot chocolate about about Italy. Like, so you talk about lattes and cappuccinos. The way you imagine it isn't actually how it is. I used to like remember being in my nonna's house as a kid, and she'd be like to my me seven year old, "Do you want a latte?" I'd be like, I'm seven. She's like, yeah, 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 I'll make you a latte. And it's literally just coffee and milk, like just warmed up mm. milk. And it was freaking delicious. Better than the cafe. Mm. The simplest things are always the most delicious. Yeah, Nona makes it the best. Anyways, continue. Next mm. job, draw. All right, lawyer. Oh, yes I'm and no. I'm not get involved in this one. <laughs> yeah. I think, they, they I think there is credit to lawyers. I think there's some credit to lawyers because sometimes you need to like create an argument which is defensible um, and is unique for a specific purpose. So there's there's an argument you can. And there's a lot of people that do law and engineering degrees because they're just show offs. Uh, <laughs> but um, that being said, like yeah, I think there's certain people that yeah you, you can argue that they're really good problem solvers. And the best lawyers are the ones who find the weirdest arguments and make it stick. Mm. And so like I think there is a bit of a leeway there. But that being said, there's a lot of lawyers that that really are not benefiting society. And that's the main point of an engineer. (laughs) Overall, I want to disagree because I feel like engineers, their solutions always fix and always static using numbers to back it up. It is this final solution and there's a fixed reason why. In law, they're very manipulative. They never sell themselves as wrong. They have to convince a jury, convince a judge that they're right, convince a judge that their argument backs what's written in the law. And sometimes that might not be ethically right because they're defending their party they've manipulated the law in such a way 
that makes them seem innocent or makes them otherwise seem that from a civil case there they win so and it's mm. never a fixed solution it's just alright your argument seems yeah. more right than the other based on the evidence you've provided therefore you'll win yeah I actually I agree with that yeah. it's, it's a lot more arbitrary than getting like raw data and then computing the best solution it's oh but the solution doesn't take this into account or that into account this is a, the ideal solution and I guess that's why a lot of politicians are lawyers anyways <laughs> like, like the like the problem solving of a lawyer, like I, I, it's great problems problem solving because they're using words to kind of manipulate the situation. But it's problem solving in the temporary, so it's like it just it fixes a problem there. It fixes one person's problem, not a collective's mm. problem, or some, or it's very it's almost selfish problem solving. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, yeah, and I just I just thought of that because I, I started watching that TV show Rake. It's a great, great Aussie show. You should start watching it. We're now sponsored by the ABC, by the way. <laughs> yes, please. They've got so much money to spend. <laughs> Excellent. All right, James, you're going to like this one. Sex worker. Why am I going to like that one? <laughs> I'm just joking, bro. <laughs> oh, no, I would have agreed with you. I don't know why we, we went off that topic. But okay, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that for a minute. Um, yeah, well, I agree. I don't think there's any problem solving in that. Maybe yeah. in, maybe in operating the toys that they use, <laughs> if they're very complex, if they're a very complex operation. Oh jeez, you can tell <laughs> who's that's been all to I a brothel or not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, no, all right, next one. All right, um, uh, priest, nun, bishop slash pope. Agreed. <laughs> I think they're I a similar vein to lawyers, to be honest. It's I, I was thinking it's sort of in the same yeah the same vein as lawyers where it kind of like. They're using words to kind of solve a problem, not yeah. really using creativity or anything like that. They're just kind of reciting what has been written to mm. to us to fix a certain situation or to um, tell a certain story. Well, yeah, like a great example of this, right, is the Ten Commandments that everyone knows. And even if you're not Catholic, right, don't kill is like number four or five. It's pretty pretty up there. It's not number one, funnily enough, but it's it's up there. But it's very clear, don't kill. Anyways, the patron saint for the school that I went to, the Catholic school I went to, was known for being a really good writer and interpreter of Socrates and philanthropy. Oh, I can't say it anymore. The point being is one of the reasons he was so famous and one of the reasons he was made a saint is because he was able to interpret a way to justify war, to justify murder on a large scale because it's a holy war which means that you're actually saving their souls. And, like, it's very fucking clear, don't kill. It's so clear. No, 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 I found a way around that. That's a similar argument to the arbitrary nature of uh, understanding the scriptures. And if you look at, like, religion, how it's... The, the, the Christian religion has split so many different ways because King Henry VIII wanted to get divorced, but the, the Catholics didn't allow him, so he made the Anglican Church. That was it. That's the only reason they split. Like... There's a lot of arbitrariness around it. I wouldn't say that's great problem solving. I wouldn't say it's based on facts. Like the fact that we are went through the dark ages of no science advancement was because of religion. Um, the fact that we're arguably 400 years behind what we could have been uh, if the Roman Empire stayed and didn't dissect because of uh, religion. Um, yeah, I think there's <laughs> there's a lot of things in those roles which wouldn't be the best problem solving. I think they give good advice. My mm, pitch voice. Um, and not bashing religion. I was Christian for a very long time, but 
um, yeah, I wouldn't consider them engineers. <laughs> Given good advice. What do you mean, bro? When you go to get married in the Catholic Church, the priest comes up and goes, oh, this is my advice to you when you have your wife. And it's like, hang on a sec, you can't even get married. Why are you giving me advice? How do you know what it's like? <laughs> It's like when the, the single friend gives the best dating advice. <laughs> Just like, I'm the third How? person opinion. I, I know exactly what you need. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. Last one. Um, a performer slash actor. Ooh. I would. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. You a musician. Ahead. A musician. I would maybe call an engineer. I think. An actor. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, yeah, like, yeah. I think I disagree that they're not engineers. Um, I mean, they are problem solvers to a degree, but like we've kind of been suggesting that problem solvers have to base it on facts and whatnot, and these performers based on entertainment, that's not something you can really measure. That's an arbitrary thing. That's a, a qualitative test more than a quantitative there thing. There are no stats. Yeah. There are no stats involved. Yeah, I mean, you can sell to, like, check sell tickets or, like, analytics on YouTube. I don't know. But, like, there's no qualitative analysis of what is good and what is bad. I mean, not bashing mm-hmm. them. Fucking love entertainers. Like, amazing oh, stuff. 100%. Yeah. This isn't... This wasn't... I put this in mainly for the fact that it's, like, I'm thinking of, like, the the broad spectrum of entertainment when there's people behind the scenes that are, like, doing lights and uh, visual effects and cinematography and art direction and costume design. I'm just, like... but realistically like they're they're all performing and they're all doing their job doing something creative to problem solve and get through the task at hand and including the performer but i think performer in general like the actor would probably be like at the bottom of that list of like everything else like they're they're still doing the problem solving but it's just on a smaller scale than everyone else involved any more pads nah that's it all right james hit us all right, well, I noticed that no one's really channeling Patty in this episode, so I guess I will. You boys like the surf, right? Mm, yeah, it's all right. It's pretty good. I'll, I like the surf. The surf doesn't like me. <laughs> well, you know, we live close to the beach. We live, like, you know, within, for you, Patty, I guess a 10, 15-minute drive. Sean and I can walk there. So something that's a big part of our life is going to the beach, catching a wave, just going for a swim, and I hope hopefully it'll be part of our lives forever if we stay in the area we're at. Um, but a frustrating thing, and I think you boys can resonate with this, is when you check the forecast or you don't check the forecast because you just want to go for a swim and you go out there and it's nothing but like, you know, something that replicates a fucking cyclone or something or it's like a storm or there's just really messy or it's really flat and you're like, we can't really go catch a wave today. And it's just frustrating because you, you, you're checking all these different forecasts and that can be the other problem is you're just doing all this research on it and it's never exactly what you think, right? It's just annoying especially when you've been waiting all week. So what I want to create is a frame. And this frame is a surfboard that's either 3D printed or molded or something. And it has a screen in it that's connected to all these different surf and weather databases. And it's collecting data from all four or five of them and averaging out the tide, the wind, the surf height, the swell, um, the wind direction as well. And giving me an answer based on location. So, it's always tracking it and I have the ability to change it between the different beaches that there are. So, I don't have to do research on five or six different sites. It's always giving me an average yeah. or the most statistically correct one if we want to go back to stats. Yeah, that definitely sounds quite useful because there's so many times where you like, oh, 
Surf Report looks fantastic. Get out there. And again, it's crap. And the other other two of them are like, oh, it's, yeah, don't go out. And then you check again, and each of the reports ran, like, change in accuracy. And this also begs the question of, where is their data source? What are they getting it from and how are they calculating it? Um, and you're right that if you have four different advisors on what is the best surf conditions and you can average it out, you're probably going to get a much closer result using four different uh, analytic programs um, than just the one. So this is a, a good way to kind of like filter out the, the bad noise and just try and get the best, most accurate surf prediction, which is something we check every time we go out in the water. Yeah, yeah. Definitely raise a good point. I think most um, surf reports now are based on like the Buda meteorology and meteorologists will be able to calculate the swell from that. There's specific like empirical formulas and stats that go into it, but each d- database has a different way of doing it mm. because again, it's empirical. It's not a fixed way of doing it. Yeah. Um, this way of predicting it is one way and so I might have another way of doing it and that's why you sometimes do different forecasts. You're like, oh, it's two foot down at this beach but then it's nine foot over here and you're thinking, what the fuck? It's a massive difference. Is it two foot or is it nine foot? So effectively what I want to create is something that kind of filters out the outliers and gets an average of like the statistical mean. Something else I'd like to do as well, um, if I could advance on the app and I think I can, is it tracks the cameras as well and it's got a saved photo of when it's messy, when it's big, when it's small, when it's clean, you name it. Mm. And then it also gives me what it looks like as well. And I know this can be done because what I've what I've been working with is something called an RP2040, which um, communicates with the coding software Python, which you can store photos in. And you can actually get Python to compare how close this photo is to something else. And now if it's 60% similar, then you can go and call it, well, it's most likely messy or whatever you've coded it to be. Mm. It's um, it's good because these sort of things you can kind of expand on when it comes to weather apps and whatnot. And I've seen it done for train times as well using this yeah. particular chip. And so, like, there's two approaches you can take where you look at the four different empirical calculations by each of the surf APIs and whatnot and then average it out, which would give you a fairly easy uh, approach to it. The other one you could do is develop your own empirical formula, right? Use the same data sets that they're doing and figure out exactly why it's gone wrong. I have a feeling a reason why some of the surf data that we get is so incorrect is because they don't look at our beach. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about there's only like 50, 60 surfers at a time at Cronulla, wherever we are. And that's not that much. There's not a lot of, like, it's quite a bit of effort to design um, the data to pull out just that one specific location. Yeah. And realistically, you look at the bomb data sets. There's like, what, Sydney Airport. There's the, um, the, the Observation Hill in Sydney. Um, yeah. But that wind report and whatnot could be very different from what it is down at Wollongong on any beach between Sydney and there. And so I wonder if there's a way that we could develop one specifically for the zones that we surf in. That way it is just like perfectly tailored and it's not just an average out over the Sydney area, which a lot of the time it is. We're just getting the same report that Bondi gets because that's as far as or that's all they want to do. And like like that changes very dramatically dramatically from each beach to beach they just couldn't be bothered because there's what a thousand well millions of beaches between here around australia around the world which these these sites operate on um but yeah having a specifically tailored one for us i don't know how much work that would be but that could be another path if we thought this is valuable this is something that could be really really good i think you're onto something hey like because so are you basically saying that 
um, because one empirical formula works somewhere, it shouldn't work somewhere else because that beach has a different behavior mm. by by rights. Yeah, I, I, I would probably agree. I don't know much about, I guess, meteorology, but I guess you could take data sets from ages and see how the wind and storms out at sea are affecting the swell, how it's affecting the tide, and compare that to another beach and see if you could develop a stat and run iterations on it. Yeah, I mean, like... If, if you, you're wrong, yeah, you, you filter it Yeah, you get a model and you can run, like, previous data sets, actual recorded wave temperature and height or whatever, not temperature, but wave height, swell and whatnot, and then run, run a backcast to see how accurate those models have been previously. And we could probably tailor one where the backcast becomes quite accurate and then make it into a forecast which is the way of what I do with my work in terms of modeling and how accurate our stuff would be um, as well too. Because like even if the swell is pretty high, but there's no sand, there's no sand bank out there, there's going to be no good waves. It's just going to be rolling. And like the actual wave you get might be really different from one that you've seen on the forecast. So it's so location dependent. That's an excellent idea actually, being able to, because you can do that as well. You can definitely collect data in a cloud and then over time, just analyze it yourself and create these mad graphs and linearize them to create mm. nice formulas. Yeah. Well done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that on board. Yeah, because you could probably be like, look, ideally, like if this speech is always two feet under what they've actually declared it was been, we can run with that algorithm. We might be off one to two days, but if it means that we're closer to the real result, that's something we should hold on to. And I don't think a lot of people do that kind of optimization for such a small scale thing, but... I definitely see value in it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I want that. I agree because like I've so many times where we've checked it and we're like, sweet, all four or five websites say it's good and you go out there and it's just not and you're like, mm. what the hell? And you wonder why that is and it's because the forecast hasn't been calculated specifically for where we live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's something that just falls between the net because for them, they're like, oh, as long as we're kind of within 30% of what accurate is, no one's going to check, no one's going to care. This is until engineers start surfing, then we actually give a shit. And <laughs> we're like, no, I actually needs to go up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I never knew engineers could become meteorologists. Let's do it. Uh, they could do I anything. Think could be. <laughs> in terms of jobs that could be engineers, yeah, I think meteorologists are in the very similar vein as the whole STEM field. So, James, design wise, you said before that you had, uh, you had to want to put screens on a surfboard or something similar to that. Why would you do yeah. that besides making an app? specifically for this situation yeah it's definitely a great question for me i want something that's like aesthetically nice and i can keep on my bedside table as well um because i like surfing in the morning something i want to do is just be able to wake up turn over hit a button yeah what's the surf forecast doing I'm and it also looks pretty as well when you said like put inside a surfboard i'm just imagining this nine foot malibu board stuck on top of your like bedside table you turn over it's bigger than your bed and you're like what's the surf condition look like today <laughs> has 12 ipads scattered across it it's duct taped onto a malboard <laughs> that's not a bad idea boy let's build a, a nine foot surfboard that's a bed make like three quarters of it like squishy and then have like an a screen next mm. to it that's the surf forecast it reminds me of that episode of simpsons where it's like uh millhouse's dad's like haha i get to sleep in a race car <laughs> Like, I get to sleep with a wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Never saw much value in those race car beds. Clearly, you... Oh, if you're a kid, it's awesome. Yeah, you never. You clearly were never speed demon, James. <laughs> I had platform nine and three quarters signed above my bed. I was imagining going to Hogwarts when I was asleep. That was my childhood summed up. <laughs> nerd. nerd. I mean, I'll I'll I was like it. that too, but nerd. 
Yeah. We're engineers calling other people nerds. Like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) We're the cool nerds. Yeah, we make engineering look sexy. (laughs) Oh, dear. But yeah, that was just... um, That's something I'm actually working on now. So, it's Mm. not one of those long-term sort of pictures. It's something that's in design. And I look really forward to to getting it out because it's something I'd easily be able to build more of and less things to play with because I'm still kind of gassed after putting different things together after Chari Chara. Oh, that sounds awesome. Like, it's like, it's definitely a project that will have legs. So, like, it starts very small location-wise and it can actually grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Well, this particular project will have fins. Yeah, and you can tailor it for any site around the world. Ooh. Yeah. It'll we'll be, uh, be, be surfing the waves of the internet soon. We gotta market it. Surfing? And then literally the surfing the web. <laughs> poor, okay, poor. Okay, no, I, I, enough of the bad puns here. All right. It was a good joke. Two out of ten. <laughs> Oh, geez. All right. Uh, Sean, what do you got for us again? I've got a project pitch, and um, this is a bit of a weird one. It kind of follows on a previous pitch that we've had. Um, For those who don't understand what we're talking about, um, James and I postulated uh, one time on a few drinks that we wanted to build an AI. And we talked about on the podcast where we want to build an AI that's like kind of like Alexa or Google Home, but is a lot more integrated with the house. So you could be like, turn on the TV, open the door, um, there's, I don't know, uh, sun on the front lawn, turn on the hose, like make it really integrated with the house, except we give it, uh, an Irish person's accent and, uh, an Irish, per- an average Irish person demeanor was like, yeah, you fucking want the door shut, do you? I don't know. I clearly don't have a good Irish accent. I'm still working on it. Anyways, following on that idea, um, so something recently that, um, reminded me of a project from a while back, pretty much the idea of holograms and the way they work. And we see holograms a lot in movies. Like, you guys like movies, right? Like, <laughs> open-ended question. Uh, wait for applause. <laughs> anyway, Of course not. <laughs> but holograms are actually doable. And the way they do it is, if you ever have a flashlight and you turn, like, in a dark room, but it has a lot of dust in the room, and you turn on the flashlight, you can see a beam of light come out from the flashlight, looks like a lightsaber. I'm sure a lot of kids had a flashlight and had a flashlight um, battle uh, with like a pretend lightsabers. Um, Similar idea behind that is possible with holograms. And so what you need is something uh, particulates to bounce off to create light or an object to to shine bright in darkness. Um, But if you get two streams of light and cross them across each other, they actually kind of focus up and you can see them even stronger than if it was just one beam of light. And so what someone used to do, and this is a really, really interesting trick, is what they got was uh, a screen, and they had the same image in four different parts of the screen. And you'd make this little prism, this little perspex prism, and you'd put it on the screen, and the way that the light came off the screen hit the each of the sides of this like glass shape, they would bounce and then hit into each other and make a central... 3D thing that would spin and move. And so if you right now on YouTube search 3D hologram video, you see all these different examples of it. And there's like a butterfly, they've had like Baby Yoda, which does a little dance on them. And it's it works. It works quite well. And this is like small scale on your phone. I want to kind of take that and make it a bit bigger. And I've seen some people do holograms and whatnot, but I want to make it smarter. So what I would like is to build like a little glass box. And when I say little glass box, imagine like half a meter by half a meter by half a meter, a screen on the bottom, and you say, hey, Seamus, and then a head turns on in your kitchen <laughs> goes, what the fuck do you want? 
And it's it's the AI, it's like the visual AI. It's like the Jarvis, but it's an actual talking head. And you would integrate the speaking component of the AI with the movement of the head on this screen. And it would it would just be a great way to have like uh, a very, very dynamic AI instead of having like the ring turn on when you call Alexa's name or whatever. But like an actual head that popped up, I'm like, hey, what do you want? <laughs> yes, I think I think there's a lot of value in that. I think a lot of people would be like, I would love to have a talking head. A lot of people would be freaked out by it initially, but I think that's quite useful. So would you have like some massive LED matrix underneath it that's like illuminating on a flat surface and creating that 3D? Because like the prison would be conical, I imagine. It wouldn't be perfectly rectangular. No, it's rectangular. Yeah, so that's, oh, that's okay. the price. So what it is is you get a screen and you get four different images. Um on the top, the bottom, the left and right, you put the prism on and the prism is facing the, the image on like a 45-degree tilt. And then in the middle of that, there would be an image. And this is like, um, you know those illusions you get from like the game stores where it's this weird shape, you put like something in the middle of, in the bottom and there's mirrors inside it and then there's like a 3D hologram that pops up on top of the shape. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, sort of. I think so. There's these weird little yeah. toys where it's like it's an illusion toy where you put something in the bottom of it and at the very top, um, around this like mirrored image or this mirrored shape, there'd be like a little, uh, a little like three D model of what you've put inside it, and it doesn't require power or anything. It's just tricking the light to hitting each other at the exact same point to create the same image at the bottom as is the top. Effectively, the same thing. You wouldn't need an LED matrix. You could do it with a monitor screen. You could do it with any screen which can you can have a dynamic image on. So you could do it. You would need a fairly big screen, and ideally, it would be a square screen. So that's probably like a limitation of how yeah, to get that's, it done. But why I said big LED matrix? No, nah, like it wouldn't that. be LED something matrix at all. It would be LCD. No, no. Or, what I'm what I'm saying is, I said a big LED matrix because like you'd need something big. That's why that's where my mind went to. So whether you need a screen or whatever it is, mm, it's oh, going to okay. be something quite like lengthy. Um, but yeah, so you but what well, basically you have like four images and you just flash light through them and it creates like that. Yeah, nice. Like that's pretty cool. Another thing I've seen though with the holograms is the way they make big ones because you want to scale it up is instead of using something like that, which sounds quite hard to do on a bigger scale, they use fans and they put like LED lights on those fans. So like yeah, when we do a quick YouTube on how like three um, D holograms fans, yeah, and they have like different lights and those fans like link up with each other and it looks like literally a three D hologram at the same time. Oh, I know what you're talking about where it has an image on that. I mean that's a two D two D plane exp- showing a three D image. This is a this would be a full three D image in in air. So no matter where you turned around on this thing, no matter where you stood in the room, it looks three D. So, like, with that fan, if you just turned it around, it wouldn't be there. With this, if you turn around, you see the back of his head instead of the front of its face. Like, it would still be a 3D thing. Right, so you don't have the same image on all four planes. You have it at different angles. Slightly different angles, and that's, yeah. Right, and that's what's creating the actual hologram itself. Mm. That's pretty cool. And so, I'm trying to think about it right, because doing an actual human head would be difficult, because to try and, like, get every single muscle and emotion and trying to get the smile would be quite hard. I might just do a skull with a moving jaw, <laughs> just, just like, flopping open. Hi there, how can I help you? Like, like that kind of stuff. Um, that seems a bit too death punk metal for me yet, but in terms of, like, <laughs> in terms of actual engineering, that would probably be the easiest. <laughs> Why don't you do that character of Crash Bandicoot? What's his name? The guy who makes you oh, like, the mask. invincible. The, the mask, yeah, 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 something similar to that. There's a few we could do. I thought he was more like a tiki man. Yeah. Or just make like, the engineering dad's gear with a mouth. 
Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be like the no. literal robots. Well, you couldn't... If it was any type of real person, there'll be a copyright... Like, there'll, mm. be, there'll be some type of copyright involved or even like a model you might be able to get away with, you know, using the face for a little bit until it gets too big. Mm. You might just need to do a, an original computer-generated um, face. Yeah. Or just, like, something something that you have to create on, you know, 3D paint or something like that, or, like, obviously, a more, more visual effect. I wonder if we can just uh, get, like, software. a famous person to approve it. There was an image of, like, Terry Crews. He approved someone who got his, his face and put it on her credit card. It's like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's, I'm, I'm happy with you because it's him like staring at us. Like, don't spend money. Um, I wonder if we could get like William Defoe or, or something like that. Christopher Walken, <laughs> oh, like, the Green Goblin. You want a cocktail? Oh, big fan. Uh, you will be walking home. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what this needs is more cowbell. This needs more cowbell. <laughs> this house. Oh man. <laughs> I'm sure if this, this is big enough and we had a big enough supporter base and we got like a celebrity, like, look, can we just scan your head? Turn it into our AI. Like, get Conor <laughs> McGregor's head and then an actual AI would work. <laughs> look, look, nothing sus, but I want to scan your head. Yeah, it's like, can I scan your head for my home AI? And they'll be like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining the footy games at the end of the game. You see, like, Valentine Holmes walking past on the side. Like, Valentine, Valentine, instead of having a handshake or a signature, <laughs> just can I scan your head? <laughs> You've got this. You've got the massive like flashlight. And he's just like, uh, yeah, okay, dude, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's like a four hour wait. He's like, I just need you to stand here. Don't get changed. Just scan your head. <laughs> it'll be like it'll be like a nineteenth century photo flash. All right, now stand still for thirty for thirty minutes. Yeah, don't move. Don't. <laughs> it's like I need to pee. Too bad. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. So we've clarified the uh, the the head or who will be. So you know, it could be a famous person or a computer generated person, but. What would the cost of this be? Because I just did a quick Google of 3D hologram, and for some reason, every single one that comes up is cost, is, is really costly. Yeah, like to actual to actually make it. But I think that is because a lot of these holograms are deep fake. I have deep mm. deep fake technology where it's they'll be using you know, like uh, like there's one that Kanye West gifted a hologram of uh, Robert Kardashian, the, the dad of Kim Kim Kardashian, to her. Mm. Yeah. Which is a bit creepy. Well, this is very bespoke kind of design in engineering. Mm. It's to try and get it that well and then having to service maintenance because it's not a common thing, right? Not every single person has a hologram. But if we could develop something like this for less than $1,000, and I think like the a lot of that, the cost would go into the actual like, here's a hologram, break it down so that all the four cameras or all the four lights display the perfect kind of like face image or figure or whatever, that's where the cost comes in. Getting a software that could manually mm-hmm. break down 3D images and then display them. That's hard. Making them talk, even harder. I reckon if we could do it for less than like, five, say, five grand, this would take off for sure. If you could say like, we could tell you how to build your own hologram for your house at all times of the day. Just have like the R2-D2. I need your help, Obi-Wan. You're the only one <laughs> you can do this. That would be sick. <laughs> yeah. I have an idea for this. So, firstly, it's going to be expensive. So, number one, guys, subscribe to our Patreon. And, Sean, basically, like, the way I'm imagining this, you're going to have some sort of screen on the bottom and that's always kind of going to be there and you're going to notice it. So, my idea was would be to have it enclosed somehow. Mm. And let's go to the next step. Let's build, like, a little robot that's, like, 400, 500 mil big, oh like, tall. God. And the screen's on where its neck is, yes. where its neck is, and it's got like it's got like a prism dome head. 
<laughs> and this thing can walk around and it can like talk and you can see it doing the talking at the same time. So you build like an Irish robot. So like it's always crouched down and like you go like, oh, hey, Seamus. And it comes up and it's just like, I'm still fucking sleeping. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm just imagining RTD2 with one of the heads from Futurama when they get like celebrities <laughs> in the future. They just have a little head of them. Just that on top of RTD2 walking around our house. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. That could, it could be like a package deal. So get a get a get a hologram projector, but also for an additional price, mm. you can get the Leprechaun, our our AI software. Oh my god, <laughs> like, this yeah. would be so. I'm fun. um, I'm writing an uh, email to Elon Musk right now to say, forget your idea. Yeah. We're doing this, and he can put the 3D um heads in his in his bots that he's making. <laughs> Elon, put put down your spreadsheets. You need we're, to hear yeah. this. We're about to be bought out by Tesla. <laughs> Oh, God, I wish. Pay me in Model 3s, I tell you what. The dropped in price, too, so we can all afford one now. Oh, again, again with the Tesla with this one. This one. Oh, man, it's so fucking good. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, no, right, but, like, right, the hologram right. idea, I think it's got legs. Um, I mean, this is not legs. something I can do in a weekend, obviously. And this is why all over the... It, it could have legs if it turned into a robot. Oh, that would be terrifying. Oh, God, no thank Come you. Come on, Sean. You think everything could be done in a weekend? Like, I, I reckon you should do your normal approach of, I reckon this won't be so hard. I reckon I could punch a gate in a weekend and then however long it takes. <laughs> Historically, that's proven to be wrong. And I'm, I'm now, like, backtracking of, like, I can do this in a week too. Yeah, I'll get it done by in two months' time. Like, <laughs> just because I know it's not going to be done in a week. I mean, but yeah. that being said, if I did, like, a test case with a home monitor, build my own Perspex, like, frame and then it worked based off like previous videos and whatnot and then all i need to do is then design it to be a human face that's okay i'm gonna say that's not hard it sounds it's actually a lot fucking harder than i would imagine it to be (laughs) it sounds (laughs) a little bit difficult there's like a curve of like how how confident you are with something and it's almost always the highest without you even trying like your experience level is down like at zero your confidence is like 99 like oh i could i got this um i feel like the holograms would would take a while to design to de- be able to develop um, a dynamic library to like have a face and then be able to move it in time. That's yeah. hard because um, that image has to change. Yeah, like you can't have obviously the same image no. showing at one time. No, and this is why I wanted to do a skull at first because all you need to do is just have the head rotate so different ways, and then the jaw open and close. You don't need to worry about the whole face, the eyebrows, the 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 brow moving, the the like the muscles in the cheeks it's just the jaw um and so like make it as simple as possible for me even that will take like potentially months but i wonder if we can get like an expert involved and be like look we this is what we want to do we're just doing it for free kind of thing at the moment um what do you reckon but oh no don't do that <laughs> don't do it it's got no legs but or they could just be like yeah you know what actually here's a here's a path you should go down here's something you should look at um, try doing it this way, that way. I think it's. I think it's a possibility. Hmm. So, do you have separate lights, or is it all programmed by the same light? Or, or would it be colored? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be light. It would be a one monitor controlling it. One like one uh, visual output that's going out, um, and it could be any color you'd want it to be because it's just a monitor okay. or a okay. screen. So yeah. So to clarify my question you don't need a separate light coming into the prism it's just the light from the monitor that you're relying on okay cool if it's high enough intensity it should be fine if not we can make it so it's like uh we can boost up the that light output uh, a few different ways if not we might have to build our own monitor which would be kind of difficult but (laughs) i mean small steps baby steps here 
Nice, nice. Anything else to talk about, boys? I think that's uh, all the things from my end. James, you got anything? Um, look, I, I, I got a project pitch, but we can leave it to the next one or I can talk about it now. It's kind of up to you. It's not a project I'm working on. It's something I want to do in the future that I think you guys will I love. think let's leave them on the edge of their seats. Yeah, so to be continued. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. I think that'll be us. That'll be us for now. If anyone has any um, project ideas, any questions to ask us, please hit us up on any of our socials. If you have a great movie review idea, we just put out a new a podcast reviewing Jurassic Park. It was awesome. Definitely check so, it out. So I'm talking about the movie, not the podcast. The podcast was okay. The movie was great. <laughs> Honestly, classic, if you got a new, if you got another movie review for us to do, like hit us up. Besides that, everyone have a good week, have a good day, have a good life. See you. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.